Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. I've been talking to a ton of operators recently, and one of the big issues people are facing right now is a labor shortage in the restaurant industry. A lot of people during COVID left the industry completely when they lost their jobs temporarily. Um, and so when you're in a tight labor market, then what you have to do is A, you got to work harder to find those people, but B, you have to invest in systems that make people more efficient, allow them to do more, and also systems that are going to help get people productive quicker once you do find them, because we have to do more with less and we have to do it faster. The Ops Analytica operations management platform can guide employees through the steps that they have to do to do their jobs every day. We can make them productive faster. We can hold them accountable uh, to doing what they're supposed to do. And we can get them on the floor faster than spending a ton of time and money trying to get them to memorize what to do. We can just guide them through what they need to do. So check us out, opsanalytica.com and get a demo. You will not regret it. Hey there, Order Up podcast listeners. It's Tommy. I'm back with another interview today. I'm very excited to welcome my guest to the show, Todd McGuire. How you doing, Todd? I'm doing great, Tommy. Good to hear you. Oh, it's good to hear you too. And a full disclosure, everybody, Todd and I are friends outside of the podcast. I don't want any any snoops figuring it out. Uh, <laughs> That's right. We're both here in uh, rainy Highlands Ranch today. So. All right. It's actually starting to snow a little bit here. I know it is. It's snowing outside my window too, which is uh, and it's and it's May. Uh, what is it? May third. Yeah, and that means I don't have to go to goalie camp this afternoon. So you know, not that I'm playing goalie, but for my daughter. Right. So you know, that works out for me as well. Exactly. Um, yeah. You kind of sometimes, you know, kind of feel bad praying for bad weather when you just you know don't have time for another sports afternoon. Absolutely. Uh, every parent's like, yeah, yeah. No, rain's the best thing ever. Yeah. Um. So Todd, welcome to the podcast. Uh. We do the same thing every week, man. Uh, every interview asks the same five questions. And uh, I want to get started here because I want to learn more about my buddy Todd. So tell me, explain what you do today, and then take us through your career path on how you got there from your first job in the industry. Sounds good, Tommy. Um, you know, I have two health-related companies that I've founded. And you know, when I take you through my story of what got me to where I am today, you'll see that I'm kind of a, a health nut and a tech nerd um, all rolled into one. <laughs> one of the companies is called Incenta Health, and I'm the co-founder of a health software company. That's what Incenta Health is, focused on preventing type 2 diabetes and reversing obesity. So it's a digital behavior change program that rewards people for losing weight. We've got um, some patents that I've come up with on how to take someone's picture while they're using our scale. We call it a healthy selfie. And it's kind of a neat viral visual way for people to see what happens when they learn to eat better and they learn to move their body more. And then we have a whole team of coaches, dietitians, personal trainers that guide them day by day, 365 days, basically. And then every 90 days, we say, hey, hop on our health spot scale. And if you've lost weight, we'll send you cash. And we send them a MasterCard with uh, 15 to $150 based on how much weight they've lost. So that's um, that's really my uh, my, my main um, focus for the last, uh, we're in our 19th year in business. And then um, a few years ago, I started a, um, a passion project um, that's called Humble Health Foods. And it's just kind of feeding, no pun intended, my, um, my passion around health and, and what I do for my own nutrition. And that company makes a product called Todd's Power Oats. 
and it is a high protein overnight oatmeal. And by high protein, you know, it's up to 37 grams of protein. So it's unlike anything on the market. It's what I kind of created uh, for myself 15 years ago, trying to scratch my own itch of finding a better breakfast and then having enough friends. I grew up in Florida and I've had a lot of friends come out to go skiing and they'll try that oatmeal when they're, you know, staying in my, uh, my guest room, like, man, Todd, you should be selling this. And so that was the birth of uh, humble health foods and Todd's power oats. Nice. Okay. So questions where, okay. So you've started this food manufacturing company and you had zero experience in manufacturing food, as you said yourself. So tell us, take, take us through that journey. You know, what, what did you have to learn? Where are you manufacturing it? You know, is it like in a van out in the desert? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, um, that's a great question. I mean, <laughs> It's definitely not in a van in the desert, but, um, you know, and to answer it, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about, um, you know, my career prior to um, Incentive Health and Humble Health Foods, because, you know, I went to college up in Boulder at the University of Colorado in Boulder. I was in the business school and I was trying to build my own major. And so I, I wanted to combine computers with business and management. And there really wasn't, you know, they weren't all put together at that point in time. And now they're literally building a bridge up in uh, University of Colorado between the business school and the engineering center. But at the time, I was, you know, hiking back and forth between the colleges and building my own way to scratch my own itch, basically, of in education. I, I love tech and I love health. I love business. So you know, I went through that um, that uh, process. And then when I graduated in the 90s, I started in consulting and I started in uh, management and technology consulting, building computer systems for companies and like US West was one of my first clients, a big um, telephone conglomerate across the Western United States. And it was right around the time when um, the internet was coming out when the web browser, the first web browser, you know, Mosaic was coming out of the uh, University of Illinois. And I was looking on my project that was trying to communicate across all these different um, 14 states of, of call center people and saying, hey, this this could be a, a better way to communicate instead of using Lotus Notes and all these green screens that are hard to train people on. We just put a browser on all these different computers and point and click to turn on a phone line or turn off a phone line. And so I kind of started my um, my career in that consulting world, building systems for other companies. And I was really fortunate, had a lot of neat um, clients, you know, built the, the first online presence for Oppenheimer funds, you know, connecting into their systems and a lot of neat, um, neat technology, but it just exposed me to so many different businesses, so many different industries, you know, when you're, when you do that type of consulting work. And I think that kind of geared me up for, for two things. Number one, after building dozens of systems for other companies, I, I felt that, that kind of gap in my life of, I don't want to build something for myself and watch it grow instead of building something for someone else and handing it off and wondering you know, what they do with it. But it also gave me that exposure of just problem solving and figuring out how to build something in the new industry that's new to you or new to me. And that, um, that I think is, is kind of got to be in your blood as an entrepreneur, as you know, to just say, how do you tackle a problem when there isn't a, um, a book you can pull off the shelf exactly telling you how to do it? You know, no one was making this high protein overnight oatmeal at the time that, um, that I started making it. So I just started experimenting in my own kitchen, you know, rolling back the clock a dozen years and saying, you know, I love, um, I love oatmeal for its cholesterol scrubbing capabilities. I mean, so many people I talk to are dealing with high cholesterol and, and oatmeal is great for that. It just starts to scrub it out of your blood. But as I looked under the hood a bit and, um, and kind of in, and what I've been building with Incenta Health, you know, I, I went through and got a certified personal trainer um, certification as part of the journey of just knowing the product and knowing how to, to do behavior change. And so I looked at oatmeal and said, man, this is good in one dimension, but it's got no protein. It doesn't really have that many other nutrients in it other than fiber. 
So what if I started bringing in the stuff that I'm trying to, to add in my own uh, breakfast instead of, you know, making an omelet, which is a, a great way to get a high protein breakfast, but you got a messy pan to deal with or making a smoothie, I went through the smoothie phase and you're, you got this sticky blender to clean and you're in a hurry trying to get your kids out the door in the morning. So I was like, what if I started putting this together into um, an oatmeal product and adding the things that I wanted to eat that are kind of strange to eat by themselves, you know, protein powder by itself is a little strange. Um, chia seeds are good for you. You know, they kind of bulk up in your stomach and keep you feeling satisfied, but they're kind of weird to eat. And same with, you know, flax seeds. I mean, there, there's a lot of good stuff that's got high omega threes, but in a normal busy life, they're just strange to eat. So I started putting them together and that was kind of the, the birth of how I figured out how to, um, how to make something that I would eat at least, and just did that for a decade and then started on the journey of, um, of kind of going and studying other products, you know, at Whole Foods, at Trader Joe's and looking at them and, and figuring out, oh, this is, you know, where they're, they're getting their, uh, their cups manufactured. And this is how they're doing this and how they're, they're doing the ceiling. And so I've just kind of been a, a student of just studying that and trying to solve those problems. Well, and you know, real quick for those of you guys that haven't tried Todd's Power Oats yet, tell them about how it's prepared, because I think that's a really interesting part of it, because you've been mentioning oatmeal, yeah. but let's yeah. uh, just explain how it works. Yeah, no, that's a great, um, great question, Tommy. And it's very different than the way I always used to have oatmeal, where you, you, know, you kind of make it and you get out a pot and you're heating up water or milk and kind of boiling it a bit. And, and again, you got this messy cleanup. So this is um, cold brewed overnight oatmeal. And so it comes in a, a self a single serving bowl with a little plastic lid. So when you, you buy a, an eight pack of it, you, know, you just take one out the night before you go to bed, pop the lid off. And you just pour in a half a cup of whatever your favorite milk is. You know, I usually use almond milk. Some of my people use oat milk. Simply use regular milk. I've done it with water. I've even done it with um, old leftover coffee, which is kind of interesting. I've got a chocolate flavor that that one gets along pretty well. But you pour in that milk, stir it up, you put the lid back on, and you put it back in your refrigerator. And so while you're you know, kind of shutting down your house for the night, you, you put that in your nightly routine. It cold brews while you sleep. And then in the morning, and this is like the the breakthrough for me. Cause like, if I don't have this ready in the morning, what do I do? I'm trying to get the kids out the door. I see their box of cereal on the counter. I'm like, God, that's a bad decision. I see some bagels. That's not a good choice. All carbs, no protein. Instead, when I open the fridge and I see, and I had it this morning, it's staring at me on the second shelf of the fridge. I pull it out. It's cold and I'm a morning workout guy. So I'm, I'm always kind of hot after the morning workout. I don't want it hot anyway. Take the oats out and it's ready to go. I'll drop some blueberries on it if we normally have those in the fridge and another splash of the almond milk. And I just eat it cold like a bowl of cereal. And it's in that little container. There's no cleanup. And it's literally, for me, faster than making toast. I mean, it's it's ready to go. I, I laugh because I had a bagel this morning. So yeah. See, you know, the, you know the evil of which I speak. The, the bagel is tempting. It is. Oh, I made a bagel sandwich, but you know, whatever. Okay, well, that's uh, good. <laughs> No, so that's, I think that's a really interesting part of it. So, okay, so now you've 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 been researching this, you've been using it in your own life. People have had it; they they kind of gave you your market validation, right? People tried it, your friends tried it, and then you know you're like, okay, it's now time for me to turn this into a business. Explain, you know, just take us through that little take us through that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, from from being you know an entrepreneur for a couple of decades now. I mean, I, I definitely have have seen the, the fundamentals of you know you've got to set up your corporate structure to start right. You you separate everything and isolate it into into different silos. So I said I need um, an LLC to own this, and Humble Health Foods is the um, 
is kind of the name for that. And I, I kind of like that as I have gone through life, I get a bit humbled and uh, by the things I realize I didn't know and trying to keep that beginner's mind. So, you know, you set up a, a vehicle to, um, to operate it at, out of, then you're in, you know, research mode. And, and I really had been in research mode for a decade of figuring out the product and kind of studying other people that were, um, were doing consumer packaged good products and just talking to people, you know, I'd sat down and, and would do, you know, buy someone coffee and, uh, it was definitely easier before COVID and, and just kind of sit around and just say, Hey, you know, what, how did you do this? What, what do you figure out about, you know, should you go, um, you know, the big existential question of, is this going to be something you're doing at wholesale to, uh, through, into a retailer, or is this something you're going to do direct? And, you know, from my, from my own experience where, um, I'm just, you know, finding these connections with individuals who just sample it and end up loving it and saying, Hey, I want to subscribe to this and get it every month. I decided, yeah, it's, it's a, a, a direct to consumer over the internet is, is kind of in my, um, my wheelhouse and just makes sense. And you can, um, you know, have a, you get a look at the question of the margin on the product, right? You've got a lot that goes into making any one of these products. So if you can go through and, um, and, and keep the, the, the margin strong, which is, you know, going direct to consumer has that advantage. It's got the disadvantage of you've got to figure out the marketing. You've got to figure out how to, yeah. to get the, get the customers. So it's all trade-offs. Um, but just started going through that process. Um, talking to a lot of commercial kitchens about um, the manufacturing process and figuring out and selecting a, a partner for that. Um, you know, it's just a big education. And, you know, for me, everything I've done in my career is I love health. I love technology. I love kind of solving a, a business problem and, and putting it together. So to me, it, it's, it feels like fun. And it's, it's the kind of thing I do in my spare time, in my free time, I'm reading business books and magazines. I'm reading the technology world that, um, is just kind of my passion. So it was, it's the type of thing that's just when I'm out on my, my morning run, my mind is working through, Hey, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do that? And, uh, and then, you know, kind of from my, my software development roots, it's all an agile iterative process on everything I do. And I know I'm going to mis make mistakes. I know I'm going to stumble and fail, do it quickly, bite off a little bit at a time and just iterate, iterate, iterate. And I, I do that in software and I, I've been doing that in, um, you know, kind of the, the food world and it, it just makes sense. It's, you can accelerate your learning that way. Cool. Okay. That's question number one. Let's go to question number two, which you right. may have already answered, which is what is the big project or initiative that you're focused on right now? You know, the big um, initiative for me is um, with Humble Health Foods is a new flavor. Um, and kind of my highest protein version, it's called peanut butter monster. <laughs> it's got 37 <laughs> grams of protein nice. and, um, and it's really just the, the byproduct of in iterating through the product and, you know, giving samples out to individuals and kind of watching, you know, my own kids eating it. You know, some of my happiest moments have been when I'm, you know, sitting working and I hear one of my kids, I've got three, um, young kids, one of them's upstairs asking my wife, Hey mom, can I have one of those Todd's power oats on the counter? And I just light up thinking, okay, she's not grabbing a bowl of Cheerios, which is just mostly empty calories and eating something with all this fiber, all these antioxidants, all this protein. So to that end, you know, I've, I started the, um, the, the version I always made for about a decade was just called cinnamon raisin crunch. I and mean, it's just what it sounds like cinnamon and raisin, a um, little bit of granola on top to give it a crunch. Then I added a, um, a deep chocolate was my second flavor. And that's the one that got my kids involved and they, they love it and they eat that. And then, so for the third one, I was just kind of going through and just talking to individual and individuals that are buying the product, sending out some emails saying, Hey, what, which of these flavors sounds interesting to you? And peanut butter, I think I just struck a nerve where people are like, I am, I don't like peanut butter. I love peanut butter. I'm crazy for peanut butter. And so I just started, um, started on that journey. I just launched it, um, about a month ago 
and am, um, and and kind of going through the the process of getting that out to um, to individuals and you know expanding from two to three products is uh, you know it's a, a good step forward. So that's been the um, kind of the main big project of uh, kind of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Let me ask you this because uh, I haven't tried the peanut butter monster yet. I have tried the other ones by the way and. and- Love them. And I go through phases where we eat them a bunch and then we go through phases where we uh, do other stuff. Yeah. But uh, is the peanut butter a peanut butter powder or is it a peanut butter packet that I then like push in there and mix mm-hmm. up? Oh, good question. It's um, it's a peanut butter powder that's mm-hmm. blended in with everything else. And it's also peanut butter chips. And so my oh. um, each one of the flavors, one of the kind of like the philosophies I had with the product was I don't like mushy you know, soggy oatmeal. So it's all, you know, I kind of jokingly say I want it to be a little al dente. So sure. number one, cold brewing it. And I use, um, I don't use instant oats that are kind of already a bit, you know, broken down. I use kind of sturdy, robust oats that can stand up to kind of sitting in the fridge overnight. And they, but they, they get saturated, but they still have a little bit of firmness to them. I use um, sliced almonds in all three flavors. So you get this crunch of these like little slivered almonds. But then I've got um, chocolate chips in the chocolate flavor. So when you're sitting there taking a bite, you get this you know, nice hard crunch and the same on the peanut butter side. And so you get basically two, I mean, if you love peanut butter, I mean, this is just a peanut butter monster. That's why I, I came up with the name because I've got two different types of, of peanut butter assaulting your taste buds on it. <laughs> nice. So, okay. Three flavor. Okay, cool. What is the one thing in your industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? You know, that's a great question. Um, and it goes back to, you know, kind of that, that existential question in, in starting anything new of, you know, in the consumer package, good world, are you going to go direct to consumers? Are you going to go sure. to retail through wholesale? And, um, and I've done a bit of both, you know, I've, I've had, um, there's a, a gym that's uh, selling my product that, you know, one of their customers was eating it and they were like, Oh, Hey, this is, this is awesome. You know, can I have this in my, at my smoothie bar? And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm starting out, uh, there's a, a hotel that's, um, looking to bring it into their, um, their restaurant for grab and go in the morning and have something, you know, made in Colorado, you know, artisanal oatmeal. So, you know, there's that side of the business, but, um, but on the direct to consumer side, um, you know, doing the brand building, honestly, getting yeah. in this crowded space, getting your, uh, your unique message heard. You know, what I've, I've found is when somebody tries it and has a sample and they're like, wow, I've never had anything like this. And it just puts my breakfast on autopilot. You know, that's, that's the the light bulb moment, but getting that to happen, you know, at scale is, um, is definitely the challenge you're going to take on when you're going direct. Absolutely. And I mean, the thing is Facebook marketing, seemingly Facebook marketing would be the perfect platform for this. And I believe that you, you do that. I do. I don't want that much anymore, but, uh, but because you can target people so well, you know what I mean? Like, it's just insane, but you're right. How do you get them to try? Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely well, a, a related point to that. Like how you get them to try is, um, the world of, uh, of shipping, you know, in the world of Amazon, really like Amazon has, has changed the, the expectation of a consumer of like, everything should get there in, in two days or even yeah. today. And it should be, free shipping and yeah you know, it, it's not really free shipping but it's um you know when you're going up against yeah, amazon it's, like- it's uh <laughs> it's, it's pretty tough yeah so you've got um you know that that world of um you know when i when i do you know free samples of someone that's um you know here local to colorado i can just hand them a box and it's easy yeah. um you know it's a, a little bit of a, a higher hurdle when you've got to um you've got to send it out but you know that's just the nature of the beast i think 
Yeah. You know what, you know what also might be a good thing to do and it would be expensive. The problem is it's expensive, but everything's expensive. Right. But like, you know, at the end of every race, like 5k, 10k, you know, bike race, whatever, they always have a tent city and all those people are like, you know, you can get massages and you can buy hammocks mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It might be one of those deals where you have to mix up a batch of that stuff. Mm -hmm. mix it, be in one of those 10 cities, if you will, and have a bunch of it mixed up and give people samples and, you know, pass out your card or sell them live or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right on. I think the, the demographic at any one of those events is really, you know, in my sweet spots, like someone who's yeah. a health nut trying to find, you know, something that's easy, that's going to, you know, give them good nutrition. Um, even, you know, farmer's markets to a degree yeah. are, um, are something on my roadmap. And, yeah. um, and that's just kind of a fun thing to do, um, with my kids, you know, like I like, um, you know, just teaching them about entrepreneurship and getting them to, you know, be, be in the middle of it all. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago and he's got, uh, it's amazing because this podcast originally started out as just restaurant people only. And then we've, uh, we've hired a team of people to help us get guests onto the podcast. And I've done probably say maybe the sixth or seventh person who is a CPG person. Most of them in beverage space, actually. So you're the first food, no, second food CPG, I guess would be. Um, and, uh, you know, the last guy I was talking to, his is a powdered beverage that does for from the Balbo tree or whatever. But that was kind of what they're trying to do, too. It's the same thing. It's how do we get this into uh, the hands of the consumers, right? Because ultimately that's the 100% best way to, um, you know, grow your brand is through word of mouth and getting it out there. But there's a cost to doing that, you know, whether that tent costs you a thousand bucks for the afternoon, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. It, it's uh, funny. Like I, I did, um, I did one event, you know, just here in the, the neighborhood, they had like a Christmas bazaar and, um, I'd set up a little booth and uh, brought my kids up and, and just gave out samples. And I brought, you know, a few cases of the product just to, uh, in case anyone wanted to take it home. And so many people came by and we're like, well, I'm not really an oatmeal person. I had just little sample cups with a little wooden spoon set. I'm like, well, if you want to try it, you can try it. Might be different than you think. And I started giving out samples and just burned through all my inventory. You know, and it was like, I think a four hour event, like in the first two hours, it was gone. And nice. I'm like, I don't like oatmeal. And if I do have oatmeal, I like it hot. And you're trying to get me to have cold brewed oatmeal. And then they'd start eating it like man this is amazing then they pick up the container and go 31 grams of protein 30 grams of protein 12 grams of fiber like wow this is you know nothing like what i'm i'm eating at home without a lot of work so yeah that sampling i'm i'm convinced on and trying to find good ways to um just to ramp that up yeah uh i'll put you in touch with my other buddy who would help get like chilies all across the southwest like a specific brand of hatch chilies and then he was oh, literally wow. going to grocery stores and like talking to the, the frozen managers and you know putting coupons out i mean they it was a grassroots effort it was crazy wow yeah that's cool um okay do, 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 do. got that all right what is one of the things that you thought that the industry would be doing right now that it isn't you know the this is a you know definitely kind of a, a divisive one like what my my observation is is it's like this the obsession with the extremes is what I would call it in terms of nutrition or in sure. terms of, of health, where it feels like and just watching, you know, I've been a, a student of I'll just call it the health industry for 20 years now. And the, the the dynamic the people thinking, OK, the problem is 
that I'm, I don't have the right piece of equipment or I'm not on the right program. And it, and it kind of leads to this, these different seasons of, okay, I've got to be doing P90X. Like that's, that's the problem. My workouts aren't good enough and I need to make it, take it more extreme. Um, or, you know, the same thing on the, on the, the, the food side, like I've got to, if I don't eat keto, I can, there's no way I can, can yeah. manage my health and manage my weight. And what I, I see in all those is they are amazing in what they will do for the, the tenure of how long you'll do it. And they all have the Achilles heel of they're not sustainable. They're, they're so extreme. And I say not sustainable. There are, there are people that can do anything, but in, at large, if you just take the, the normal everyday person juggling kids and work and life and trying to you know, be a good spouse, like they, it falls by the wayside because it's too, it's too heavy of a lift to do day in and day out. And I, I love the, the kind of the more boring and bland, almost like brushing your teeth type of a mindset that says, sure. Hey, brushing your teeth, the results don't last. You got to do it daily. But it's something that you just you bake into your routine and you don't debate with yourself in the morning. Oh, is today a toothbrush day or not? Like, no, you just do it. <laughs> I awesome. I believe like, you know, and, and personally, it's like been in my own health journey. I've I've, you know, given up the gym and I've, I've changed a lot of stuff. And I just do very basic things on I'm never on a diet, but I just structure every meal around what's my protein? What are my leafy vegetables? So I'm going to have a carbohydrate is a nice, complex, unprocessed carb. And I look at that if I'm going through a drive through somewhere, if I'm sitting at a restaurant, if I'm at home and, you know, my my uh, exercise philosophies are just very, very basic around, you know, body weight. I'll do 10 push ups, 10 squats, 10 crunches and repeat that 10 times. And in 12 minutes, I do a workout and I've. You know, I've been maintaining the same weight for 20 years. I've been about 173 pounds. And I kind of watch the the yo-yo of the industry of people, you know, just going to extremes, but they they can never stay with it because it's just too, it's just too um too much of a lift, you know. And so I would love to see that kind of of sanity and and I call it like boringness or blandness to how you look at health um start to permeate because I think it's liberating for everybody and it's less expensive and more realistic. Well, yes, I have so okay. So first of all, I'm exactly the guy you're talking about. Right? So, <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but I, no, I no. watched you. <laughs> you asshole. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking, everybody. I know. Uh, no, it's true. I go up and down. I, I really struggle with consistency across the board. I always have. And like I have crazy ADD. If people can't tell that by now, listen to the podcast. <laughs> you are crazy. So crazy ADD, and I really have struggled. The best thing that I've done for my entire life, the most consistent I've ever been, is I joined the Power Zone Pack on Peloton, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that because Jenna Rouse, who's another neighbor of ours, runs a team, and she she holds us all accountable to getting all of our rides in. And so I've worked out most consistently in my almost fifty years on this planet in the last like two to three years. Um, just doing power zone pack and having the Peloton and, and you have a Peloton too. And, and there's a lot of other things that aren't like that, that are coming out to compete with Peloton. So mm-hmm. if you don't have $10,000 to go buy a bike, which it doesn't cost that much, but you know, Peloton is at the higher end of the, of the brand spectrum there. The point of the, the Peloton that makes it great is that you get a live class. That's not boring. It's not like you're standing, staring at a wall in your basement, just trying to crank through something. You're in a live class, but it's on demand. So it, it actually is realistic. You don't kill 20 minutes getting to the gym and then waiting for everything to start. You literally just go, I have an hour right now. You push a button and you go do it and you get done. So that I do believe, like, even though it's crazy because I drive by Choose Fitness all the time, which is a gym around here. 
it seems pretty packed, but if you've had the access to one of these really great new, uh, you know, workout things in your home, like this, this type, whatever you would call the Peloton, it, it's a life changer. Cause you can literally, you feel like you're in a class, you're mixing it up, like running on a treadmill. Like I think we've discussed this cause we live in an area where you can run the trails and it's just absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Running on a treadmill feels like literal torture to me. But with the Peloton, I can do an hour and I don't even think about it. I'm just like, you know? Oh, yeah. And you'll and you hit it like consistency is the magic ingredient. When people ask, you know, how many sets and reps should I be doing for this and how much intensity? I'm like, it doesn't really matter until you're doing it, like brushing your teeth every day. Then you can get a little bit more sophisticated and, and tune things. But your problem is just doing something regularly. And when you get rid of the, the friction of hopping in your car, driving there, waiting for you know the equipment yeah. to be available, driving back, and it's just, you can do it at home or you can just walk out the door. Um, and even, you know, I'll, I'll talk to people and, you know, in our, through our programs um, with my health software company, we've coached over 200,000 people on nutrition and exercise and have seen long-term sustained results. I can see what works. And one of the little tricks we'll talk to people is just Go and say, I'm going to do it for five minutes, whatever the thing is, even if it's just walking. And I promise one thing will happen. As soon as you get to the five minute mark, you won't stop and you won't turn around and come back. You'll say, you know what? This actually feels really good. And, and this is, yeah, this is kind of good for me. I mean, and that's, that's the beginning of the consistency. And I think that mindset, Tommy is both, we're talking on the exercise side, but it's also on the nutrition side because when you. Um, you know, I was just talking to a good friend of mine, um, that's you know, kind of going through this, this journey on uh, trying to manage his weight. And, you know, we talked about the, his problem of like, I'll go grab a, a sleeve of Pringles between yeah. two zoom calls and just start powering through it. And I was trying to get him in the mindset of, Hey, grab an apple and a piece of string cheese instead. And there's kind of two things that are going to happen there. One is if you're not hungry enough to eat an apple, you're really not hungry. And I think that will cause you to pause for a minute and think. And then number two, if you set a timer for 20 minutes after whatever you're going to eat, and truly say, how do I feel now? After you eat the um, the Doritos or the Pringles, you're going to feel polluted. You're going to feel guilty for eating that as well. And you're not going to feel energized. After you sit there and, and you know, dig into a, a crunchy apple and have a little bit of protein with a piece of string cheese, you're going to feel like, wow, I'm more alert. I'm more awake. And that's that consistency on both recognizing that you know the exercise isn't a punishment. It should actually feel energizing. And the nutrition shouldn't feel like a prison sentence. It should feel good and feel like I could keep doing this forever. And if you get those two pieces, man, I think you're, it becomes automatic. You know, I used to have, um, you know, I was almost, um, I was about 18 pounds heavier than I am now when I was uh, turned 30 or was 29. You know, I was like in that consulting season of my career, yeah, I was telling yeah, you about, and I'm, I'm on an expensive couch. I was traveling all over the country, you know, eating fettuccine Alfredo with clients, you know, just, just polluting myself. And I'd always been a, a healthy, um, you know, lean person growing up, but just it, for the first, you know, for like four or five year season, it kind of caught up with me. Um, oh, I've kind of lost my train. Oh, so at that point on my new year's resolution every year, I'd always have, you know, get in shape, you know, start to eat better, start to move more. And, and it was like a, a thing on my list and on my mind. And then it, it hit me, you know, every year I kind of sit on my birthday and I do, um, I draw like a little picture of, if you ever look at the, um, the Janus logo of like the, the old God of like, he it's a two faced, um, oh, yeah, yeah. and yeah. he's one side is looking back and one side's looking ahead. So I always draw that on a piece of paper and I look back for like half my time. Like, what did I like and not like about next last year? And then what do I want to do better in this year? And like, that's kind of my soul searching. And it hit me, I don't know, several years ago that I don't have on my to-do list anymore to, to get in shape. It's, I also don't have brushing my teeth on my to-do list, right? It's, it's gotten to that point. 
And it's it's kind of so basic. And it's kind of like where to kind of come full circle to my high protein, cold brewed overnight oats. Like that's I eat that four days a week, Monday through Thursday. I, I don't make a decision in the morning on breakfast. I don't give in to the to the bagel. I just have something automatic. But that's I think part of the genius of getting to lifelong behavior changes, man, it's got to be boring and repeatable and you don't think about it. Maybe it's a bit like Steve Jobs in the black turtleneck, right? He's just, yeah. his energy is going elsewhere, not on what he's going to wear to work. Well, and we were having this conversation the other night, but like there's only so much money, time and focus. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's, they're all finite qualities, right? Mm-hmm. And we're forced to, uh, you know, we're forced to make all these decisions every single day. So many decisions, you know, and I think the phones and I think the phones have up the amount of decisions too, because now you're making all these decisions on what you're doing on there too, but you get that decision fatigue. And, and this is what Matt Wilpers on Peloton who always every ride, he's always preaching, you know, make your workout plan for the week, schedule it in. So that mm-hmm. when you get to noon on Thursday, you're not going to, I want to work out. You're going, oh, shoot, it's time to work out. Um, and you know what's also interesting, too, is my wife's a financial advisor. And, you know, we know all these people. And, uh, you know, we know a guy who just got taken in a Ponzi scheme, actually. He oh, lost wow. several hundred thousand dollars in a Ponzi scheme. And we know, personally, we know a bunch of these guys that, that are like, they're very successful and they're always in deal mode. Hi, I gotta make the next deal. I gotta make the next big deal. I gotta, you know, they always want to be smarter than everything else. And like the Ponzi scheme guy kind of was, unfortunately for him, the same kind of guy, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm getting this 30% return on this. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're funding movies to get finished. And it wasn't because every decision mm-hmm. you make really is about the story you're going to tell people at cocktail parties because we're all so damn boring anyways. Right? <laughs> so you just want to say, this is what I'm doing and it's really working. And my wife's like, it's the same thing with the whole diet thing is just diversified portfolio stocks. As long as capitalism is still a thing, it will over time grow better than everything else, better than real estate, better than every other little thing you can do flipping houses. The stock market wins out over time mm-hmm. with a higher rate of return compounding over time. But yet all these people get taken all the time because they're trying to beat the system, right? Yeah, looking for a shortcut that doesn't exist. They can't just do boring. But it's the boring people who invest $2,000 a year, $5,000 a year, and then eventually as they get richer, eighteen dollars or $20,000 a year, all of a sudden at 65 or traveling around the world eating out, can afford their retirement because they didn't have a $500,000 setback because they got taken in a Ponzi scheme. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they just, yeah, it's it's just, you're right on Tommy. It's exact same, like looking for the shortcut. Um, and it's, it's kind of that, uh, my answer to the industry issue of like obsessing with the extremes, like they're all kind of shortcuts. I think why they're, they're so extreme. They're trying to get results faster than is natural and at a pace that's not sustainable. And it's whether you're talking investments or you're talking, yeah. you know, the ultimate investment, you know, health is the first wealth. Um, that's you're right on. Like it's, it's really, it's really simple. And when you see it that way, it can be liberating, but sure. uh, it's not easy, but it's, it's simple. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah. I mean, I'm the biggest baby in the world, man. Like we have 400 million restaurants around here and I'm just like, hey, all this food. I don't want to eat any of it um, yeah, all the time. But like, uh, yeah, no. And it was interesting too, because I was watching last night, uh, my wife and I were watching a show 
and it's on Bravo. And it's at, I don't know the guy's name, but he's a big Bravo guy. And he's doing a series right now. I, I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes or whatever. But he's doing a series right now where he's analyzing Andy, Andy Cohen. He's analyzing uh, all of reality shows in the respect of the different genres of reality shows, how they came in, did the people have lasting results. And the last night's episode we watched was all about the, the plastic surgery and weight loss shows. And it also had like the Dr. Drew show on there too, the celebrity rehab. He was just going through all that. And he was talking to some winners from Biggest Loser and all these things. And the one guy who won Biggest Loser, he was like 400 pounds, like season eight or nine. And mm -hmm. this is, he, they interviewed him last night on the show. Um, but he was like 400 pounds. He got down to like 190. And then he held on to 190 for like five years. And then eventually he quit working out. And now he's back to like 350. And this is probably mm -hmm. over a 10-year period. And, and, you know, whatever. But the NIH in England did a study. So they checked their metabolisms, the Biggest Loser uh, contestants of that year, mm -hmm. pre-Biggest Loser, post-Biggest Loser, mm -hmm. and then five years later. And one of the things that they realized was that was very interesting was they expected their metabolisms uh, once they, they sped up and they burned all this weight, but then they slowed down, but then they expected them to speed back up or something like that. And it didn't happen for them. And they, they thought it was very odd that those guys working out so intensely for so many, you know, for uh, such a short period of time for so many weeks mm -hmm. would uh, their metabolisms got jacked up by that. Hmm. And so that he attributes part of that to his weight gain back. But, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think they, they weren't giving him drugs or anything like that. It was just, you know, it's just maybe that type of drastic weight loss is yeah. like, good for your body maybe well yeah and i mean the i think the magnitude of the weight loss is probably fine it's the the slope of that curve you know they, they're doing it too fast like when you would watch i used to watch that show religiously yeah and they would get on the scale and he would have a week where he, he only lost 15 pounds yeah, and he was like, like disappointed and you know it's it, it goes back to that kind of slow and steady and sustainable like you're you're just you're, you're doing too much too fast. No one has typically gained all that weight that quickly, but yeah. you try to, to lose it at a, at, at a pace that's dramatically faster than you gained it. Um, I think that's tough if you're for a lot of reasons, but I think if you just slowly and steadily are, you know, baking in, um, and there's a great, uh, this would be good for your show notes. There's a great book. I don't know if you read it uh, from the last couple of years um, called atomic habits by James clear. And he talks, you know, I've read a lot of books on habit forming and behavior change. And he has a really good um, addition to that that body of work, I'd say, around identity and saying that some of the, the best success you'll have in behavior change is um, if the way you've always done, like, let's put it around nutrition and exercise, like you feel like you're work doing this workout because your trainer is telling you to do it. You're eating this diet because someone's saying that's what you need to do. And, and it's it's definitely not your identity. It's being subjected onto you versus if you say, no, I'm the kind of person that gets up and has a, um, a, a morning workout six days a week. Like I, I alternate, like what I do, I alternate between cardio and strength. So when I get up every morning, I'm just putting on my workout clothes, not thinking is it today a workout day. It's just, it's my identity. It is always a workout except for Sunday, but is it a cardio or strength day? Um, same thing on eating. Like I'll, I'll never skip breakfast. Um, I will never have a meal that doesn't begin with protein. And 
it's, it becomes, it's not like this, this external thing. It's just my identity. And he talks about it. He has, he's not talking at all about um, nutrition or exercise, but he's just saying any habit you're trying to create, if you start to see yourself as I'm the kind of person that does this, it changes. Um, it's pretty powerful. Like if you, he does a great job in his book describing that, but, um, but that's, that's, I think a big, um, light switch you can flip if you, you just start to, and you can do it literally at the end of this podcast, you can just start with your next decision and say, no, I'm the kind of person that does this, not, oh, I really should be eating this salad. You know, that's, that's like a victim mindset versus yeah. no, I'm, I'm the kind of person that like looks for green leafy veggies and I know it's right and paired up with protein. Like that's, that's kind of what I do. It's who I am. Well, and that makes a lot of sense because of the fact that when you own something, right, mm -hmm. then, then it's not a decision anymore. And, uh, but when you're doing someone's diet plan, it's their diet plan. Yeah. But when it's your diet plan, like, I, you know, I, I smoke cigars in the afternoon and I've really been consistent about that Todd. And I really work on it and I do a good job. Very, <laughs> well done. Tom. I smoke a lot of cigars because of it. And I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> That's consistency. Um, That's your identity. I own it. I'm a cigar smoker. And, uh, and so I should also be like a green leafy vegetable eater as well. Yeah, um, yeah. no, I, yeah, no, I totally get it. So, um, okay. Oh, cool. Um, I think we have the last question, which is a recount, a worse, I like a worse story. I just mm -hmm. want something that's funny. Yeah. What you suffered through some huge mistake you made and what you learned from it. I don't really care. Just yeah. something. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, like any real entrepreneur, I've got, uh, I've got many things that kind of fall into that category. Yeah. Um, but you know, one, uh, one interesting one is back, um, back in the dot-com boom, you know, like going back to the, the late nineties, sure. um, we had, um, well, two things actually. So I had, um, gone over uh, and moved to Silicon Valley for a, a dot-com startup that was doing really cool, um, in stadium broadband. And this is like back in, 1999, you know, back to yeah. 1998 before, um, before anyone had you know, smartphones like we had today, but doing like in the seat back at, um, in San Diego that you could sit there and, and change the camera angle on the football game and, and order a, a beer right to your seat and like just really cool stuff using, nice. you know, internet technology in the seat. That was kind of a, a cool broadband, um, effort. And we had this big, um, client over in, uh, Italy that was uh, telecom Italia. And so it was starting up saying, hey, we're going to, they want us to build, take all this technology and build stuff to wire up, um, you know, the city of Trieste, Italy. And so decided to, you know, get out of the, um, the consulting world. And this, this looked like a great, uh, great adventure, which it was up until um, their, the, the client's big competitor, Olivetti, um, did a hostile takeover and just out of the blue um, absorbed that company. And of course, you know, something like that happens. They kick out all the pet projects of the, uh, the company that's being acquired and, uh, you know, kind of sidelined that whole, uh, that whole effort. So, you know, I kind of moved back to, uh, to Colorado with my tail between my legs and <laughs> like, man, that, um, you know, didn't, didn't see that, uh, that coming. And then, um, you know, kind of a, a similar story, you know, going back to the dot-com era, um, we had, um, I had started a company that built a, um, a, a basically a, a VRBO or Airbnb reservation system. Sure. And this was before, you know, when you went to one online to like Expedia or, or one of those, all you could book were the big Marriott's and the, um, the Hyatt's and things like that. And there's all this independent, um, vacation lodging that wasn't in a, in a reservation system. And so we built a reservation system for it. Um, but our, our timing for it was right, um, 
around 9-11. So right when we got everything built and started getting our first orders, um, 9-11 happened. And you remember that period of time, travel, leisure travel. I mean, all travel went to zero. Leisure travel went went negative. Like all of our, our future bookings got canceled, all the current stuff. I mean, so it was just a like a buzzsaw that um, that kind of hits you. And you're like, wow, you know, it's, there's there's a lot to... Lot to be said for kind of the timing and and uh, you know what you can tr- can control what you can't control and i kind of like I, I love think of it all like as a, a quote that says you know good decisions come from experience and experience comes from bad decisions <laughs> you know and, and it's like you gotta you gotta like say everything's a teacher and it's it's kind of made me humble as i've gone through life it's like man there's you know always be learning always trying to figure this stuff out and um you know and keep kind of a a playful attitude to try to keep your sanity through it all. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, like I was telling some guys recently, you know, a lot of people started businesses because the economy was booming in last fall. I mean, last spring, excuse me, you know, and I know a lot of people that took on debt, built new companies, started new companies and like literally the week COVID hit. And then you're like, what? Like, holy hell, you know? Yeah. And I mean, COVID's changed everything, right? Like, so it's the same thing. Like you can't control that. The best you can do is react. And in some cases too, the best thing you can do is just shut down and lose less money and then try again when the market's right for what you're trying to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that with the the travel reservation company, we basically, um, we did that. We licensed the the whole engine we built to another company that was, um, was getting into the space and the timing was better for them and, and moved on. And, you know, and I kind of look now at, um, at the Airbnbs and the VRBOs of the world. And, and I just kind of, kind of smile at the journey, you know, it's like, it's, you gotta just be adaptable and, and pay attention to the timing. You know, sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. And when it's not the best thing you can do is shut down quick and save money because, I watch a lot of people burn through thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, create all this debt for themselves when they should have just pulled the plug immediately. But in hindsight's 2020, right? Like you, when COVID hit, I like took my vacation that I was literally supposed to leave on March 13th. And I pushed it to this like October. I'm like, there's no way COVID will be doing, this will be going on <laughs> in October. Now I'm looking at this year, July, and I'm going, should I push it to next March? Like, because friends can't get their act together and open up. Oh, but anyway, yeah. well, Todd, it was awesome to uh, have you on the show today. I will put the Power Oats link in the uh, show notes so people can uh, purchase the Power Oats from you. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. Is there anything else you want to plug real quick? No, no. I appreciate being here. It's great catching up with you, Tommy. And um, yeah, I love it. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Listen up. Keep uh, keep subscribing to the podcast because we've got a lot of great interviews uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks and months. Thanks.